I think the more we share our experiences, the more we teach people. Like, let's go back to the very beginning of talking about the value of transparency and vulnerability. If you're willing to let people in to your story, you will teach people how to be resilient. Welcome everybody to the Resiliency Theory Podcast. I'm Ashley Carson. Join in my journey as we discuss resiliency, values, and leadership with friends, peers, and leaders. Welcome, everybody, to the Resiliency Theory Podcast. I'm Ashley Carson. I am so thrilled today to have Rob Gregerson joining me on my podcast. He has been with me along this entire journey. Uh, He has supported my podcast and helping to edit it and produce it for all of our listeners. So I'm just so excited to hear Rob's thoughts on resiliency. Rob is a DJ, musician, and owner of Legato Productions, and he's also a host of his own podcast called the Mass Exodus Podcast. Rob, I'd love it if you could take a couple minutes and tell us your story. Okay. Well, first of all, I have to say to you, Ashley, that um, it's awesome to be a guest on a podcast where you get to edit it afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) So I can go back and re-edit and put in big words that I never knew because I'm going to look them up uh, in the dictionary, the thesaurus. (laughs) Um, But thanks for having me. It's funny that we're doing this because when you first asked me to edit your podcast, honestly, the subject didn't interest me. And here's why. Because I never thought of myself as a resilient person. Mm -hmm. And um, when it comes to theories, I tend to be more interested in stories than theories. So, um, but your podcast, I've listened to it more than anybody else has. And it has like opened up so much stuff inside of me. So anyway, I really appreciate you having me on. And it's nice to be not behind the curtain, but in front of the curtain and also incredibly intimidating. So there you go. (laughs) <laughs> so about me, um, well, you mentioned my sort of my credentials at the beginning. I'm uh, owner of a DJ entertainment company um, that does weddings and corporate events, and I host a mass uh, a podcast called called the Mass Exodus, which is about people who have left the church. Uh, much like myself, I used to be a pastor. I was. Um, I grew up in the church and then eventually became a pastor and then I left. And that has become a very interesting topic to me, which probably deals a lot with resiliency. But I grew up moving around my entire life and uh, now I'm living here in sunny Oregon. Um, But if somebody asked me like who I am, I'd probably honestly say, okay, I'm a deeply insecure human being (laughs) who struggles with mental illness and addiction, who strives to find my voice in a loud world and has an amazing family. That's really actually what I would probably say. So anyway, that's a little bit about me. Oh, that's, thank you for sharing that, Robin. I loved, um, well, I appreciate the vulnerability at the beginning of the podcast. And I, I definitely think uh, your Mass Exodus podcast and the individuals that you've interviewed have have really exemplified resiliency. Uh, And so I'm really looking forward to sort of getting your thoughts on this. So for those of you who are newer listeners or have been with me on this journey, I am really passionate about 
and, and really curious about the idea of resiliency. And most of my passion and my intrigue has really come from my own lived experiences, whether that was a kid or a young teen or a young adult. And in my podcast, one of the questions or theories that I've been trying to answer and that I'm super uh, interested in, in understanding other people's perspectives on is, is there a resiliency quotient? Or maybe said a little bit differently, is there a values equation um, in so much that a certain set of values make individuals more resilient than others. And the the truth is, is I still don't know. And I've had the privilege to interview quite a few individuals and, and I've felt really honored and humbled because they've helped shape my thoughts and opinions on resiliency in ways that I never thought. So uh, let's dive into the questions, Rob. The, the first one I have is what are your top three to five values? Cool. I'm going to give you six. Um, (laughs) uh, Humor is a huge one for me because I think humor... So my greatest teachers in my life are are probably stand-up comedians, to be honest with you, because I think comedians can cast this uh, or have a unique perspective on the world. And a lot of times it's because they're just flat out honest. And that would be another value is honesty. Growing up in the church, weirdly, I learned how to not be honest with myself and try to be something that I wasn't constantly striving to do. And when I realized after I had become a pastor, sort of came up against that challenge of being honest is what essentially led me out of the profession that I had dedicated my entire life to. Um, So I have an appreciation for that now. And I think it it actually correlates with humor <laughs> because uh, when you're really honest, it can actually be really funny. So that's part of it. Curiosity would be another value. It's funny to do this podcast with you because my natural um, sort of MO is I actually want to know from you what your <laughs> resiliency is. I want to hear your story. And I just have that curiosity in the world. So. Um, we have to tell people, Ash, how we met or the first interaction we had because it sort of deals with this. For people who don't know, my wife, Lindsay, works with Ashley at Vera Whole Health. And that's how Ashley and I got to know each other. And we were at an after, or, uh, after work hang with Vera. I think they called it like the mullet or something like that. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, is that what it is? Yep, our mullets. Okay. It's basically when they lit, when they work like super strenuous days and then they go out and drink afterwards, like at a, <laughs> at a local karaoke bar. <laughs> is that fair enough to say? Generally they are, uh, well, historically they used to be our all company meetings where it was like business in the business during the day and then we'd go celebrate afterwards. So the whole like business in the front and party in the back. So I ran into you. I had known about you because um, Lindsay had talked about you, but um, and I had known a little bit about you. And I ran into you at one of these after parties, and uh, you had been having a really good time. And I started like sort of bantering with you and say hi. And then what came out of me was, hey, I want to get together sometime so you can tell me your coming out story. Mm-hmm. I told Lindsay that later and she was horrified. She was like, I can't believe you just said that to somebody in my company because I'm curious. I want to know that. And that can actually lead 
to the next uh, value, which for me, I would combine them, which is transparency and vulnerability. Um, I want to hear people's story. I feel like we live in this world where who we show of ourselves is, you know, our resume. And we live in a world where understandably we are trying to impress people. And um, a lot of times, much like myself, when I was in the church, try to be what we think everybody else thinks we should be. And yet underneath all of that is actually where life breathes, you know, where, where we show our struggles, we show our addictions, we show our stories. And I find that interesting. I'm horrible at small talk. In fact, I get extremely nervous when it comes to knowing that I have to have small talk. So going into those places um, are important to me. And then creativity and empathy, which creativity is just kind of naturally how I am. I have, I told Ashley before we started this, that I'm extremely ADHD. And I think part of that is just my, my brain fires with, um, with impulses. And I would probably assume that's kind of creativity and empathy is because I think in this world where we show ourselves and we bear our souls and we find ourselves vulnerable, being met with empathy can be one of the most healing things on earth. And I desire that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Thanks for sharing those, Rob. And I don't think we ever got to my true coming out story. So I would absolutely be happy to share that uh, Love it. with you at some point. And it was uh, uh, definitely a heart-wrenching story mm. as a teenager. And then it evolved a little bit later in my young 20s. So definitely would be willing to share that with you. Well, and and by the way, Ash, I because I've listened to your podcast, obviously so many times, I so appreciate how vulnerable you are on this mm-hmm. podcast. And I've told you this before in feedback after it, which is I get so drawn into when you share that what has brought you to a place where you're want to know about resiliency, you know, and all of that. So I just really appreciate that about you. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say that. Thank you. I yeah. kind of think that vulnerability is my kryptonite, but I push <laughs> myself to be vulnerable. So okay. I appreciate that feedback. Well, Rob, uh, when you think about your values, where did they come from? Like, what's the origin or the history of your values? Yeah, that's a great question. Definitely from my family. I have a very close-knit family. Um, I have parents who celebrated their 42nd year anniversary. Um, I grew up moving around my entire life. So the most consistent entity I had in my life was my family. And they taught me a lot of, of these, um, of these values just by sort of setting the table of our life with these, you know, my family probably shares too much with each other. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but that's comfortable to me, right? Like it is comfortable to me for transparency and vulnerability because our uh, our dinner table was talking about some of those hard issues and sort of putting it all out there. Um, that would be one of them. I would also probably say another teacher for me around it has been learning through 
uh, trials and tribulations mm-hmm. and failures and successes. And that shapes me. You know, you, you find ways to, I think you find yourself in a lot of those places. Um, I'm not sure I've fully thought that out, but mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I, I think, um, I think that that's, that's another part where my values have, have come from. I love the, um, and, 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 and probably listening to my podcast, you know, that I think it's really through the struggle that we can take from those experiences and those trials and tribulations and learn like what wasn't serving us in that environment and what could we do differently or what can we learn? Uh, I'm always wanting to learn and become a better human of myself and the better yeah. version of myself. And so yeah. um, I love that, uh, that statement. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, well, Rob, can you think of a time where your values were challenged and taking it, uh, looking at it from a couple different angles, like how did you respond doing that sort of reflection? What would you have done differently? Yeah. I'm going to give you two instances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not connected. Um, the first one was leaving the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had so much revelation, so much heartache, so much, um, yeah, I'll stick to those. Mm. And in the process, I started finding out who I was and I started seeing the world from what I considered to be a more realistic perspective. One of the influences of me leaving church was I sort of unintentionally uh, happened upon an AA meeting. <laughs> I've, I've never been a drinker. I've never been into substance, but this particular meeting met at my church that I was a pastor at, and I had to stay after and lock up for it. But I would sit in on these meetings, and suddenly I saw the most real people, the most real community I had ever seen in my life. All these people went up on the stage that every morning I would, every Sunday morning, I would sing Happy Jesus songs. And they would go up on stage and bear their shit out for everybody. Mm. And I was like, that's who I want to be. That's the community. That's pretty much the church I would like to be a part of. And when that, ca- when that sort of awakening came inside of me, I knew I had to be true to it. I knew I had to be true to the transparency, the vulnerability, the honesty, all of that. That's my values. And so I, I left. Um, and that was a hard decision. But it was challenged. You know, um, I left a lot behind Ash when I, when I left the church. I mean, I I left 30 years of life Mm -hmm. behind. Um, a lot. It is, it is a lot. Um, the second thing that happened, and I'm going to be super vague about this because first of all, I've never publicly talked about it. Um, and secondly, um, people are involved who come in and out of my life every so often, but in 2014, my best friend who was a high school teacher came to me and um, confided in me that he had started a relationship with a student. Mm-hmm. And um, that put me in a very, uh, as you can imagine, like awkward position <laughs> of, of what to do. And the short of the story is... I decided that um, who I needed to stick up for in the situation was the student. And in that process, uh, I, lost, I lost my best friend in it. 
Um, at the time, I don't know where he is at now because we've lost contact, but he, um, he was caught up in this situation and, and sort of for what I saw was a very toxic situation. And that put me and Lindsay into a place where we had to rely on our values. Like we had to look at integrity, empathy, or, or whatever the case is and, and rely on that to make a decision that also involved a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. Um, that situation turned very ugly and, and unfortunately the law and it was involved and all that stuff. It was a mess. But I think when you get put in these situations where there's a chance to risk everything or risk the things that mean a lot to you, values a lot of times I think are what carry you through. So those were my experiences where I think values were challenged. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that, Rob. And I can only imagine, I mean, both the loss that you felt when you stepped away from the church and that life that you had lived and, and almost probably like recalibrating who you are, you know, that had to have been a lot on your shoulders. Um, and the story about your best friend, there's so much grief. There can be so much grief involved when you have to make decisions around your own personal values and, and someone you care deeply about. And, there's some, there's pain and there's shame and there's grief. And so I really appreciate you sharing those two examples. And, um, you know, my, I, I can only imagine I've not gone through similar examples, but I can only imagine how tough those were. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is on the other side of it, when you make those decisions and maybe we'll jump into this later, it's also incredibly beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Like in that pain, in that loss, in that grief, in all of that. For me, I think about what happened with that girl who I never knew in, the, mm-hmm. in that high school and how um, somebody stuck up for her and somebody who didn't know her said, you matter. And, mm-hmm. and so to me, when you can look back, there's reward to that, right? Yeah. I love that reframe you know, the, you know, on the other side, it could, can be so incredibly beautiful too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there was one uh, quick story I wanted to share the word that you used um, when you came out of the church and, and experiencing those AA meetings was awakening. And I, I remember, gosh, I was probably going to guess 25 and this was like the second time I had tried to come out and be a lesbian. Uh-huh. And uh, I was at the Gorge at a concert, some gal with a previous best friend, some gal who was a mutual friend tackled me from behind and I popped right back up and I tackled her back. And she said, you're on the team, come to rugby practice next Tuesday. And I'm like, you know, Google, I didn't have Google at the time, but I was like, what is rugby? I've never heard of this before. <laughs> like, sure, I'll be there on Tuesday. I don't know what right. it is. And right. um, I remember that Tuesday, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I remember that Tuesday parking, walking onto the pitch. I was so intimidated because I only knew the girl who tackled me and then the mutual friend of that girl. And our, I, when I walked, it was a velodrome in Redmond, Washington. And so it's like where people go and ride bikes. But I sort of crested the hill and I looked down at the pitch and it was almost like the sky had parted and I saw all of these lesbians and it was like, oh, people 
look at me gay. Like I you found never, your you found your posse. Yeah, like I had never awesome. experienced that and been around that many gay people in one place. And in that moment, I was like, "Holy cow!" Like I can be me, and it's okay. I mean, it was just such a transformational point in my life to find a community of acceptance. And so I I love that story that you shared too, and just how critical those points in our life are. Yeah. Did you have that stirring inside of you? Like, did you have that conflict going on inside of you? And when you came upon it, it was a relief. Is that sort of? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think probably a question for another podcast for you and I. I actually came out at the age of 15. I was in love with my best friend and uh, Mm. my dad told me I wasn't allowed to be gay. And so I basically Mm. closeted Mm -hmm. for, you know, the next number of years met my son's father, got pregnant, um, unplanned, and Mm. it sort of changed the trajectory of my life in a really positive way. I would never change that. Uh, I would never change that experience at all. Uh, But certainly, I was really conflicted, and I thought I was supposed to be straight, albeit I knew underlying that something was just off. You know, like I, I, I was... While I love my son's dad, I was just never physically attracted to him and it just never felt right. Uh, and so many other, so many other things, but yeah, it it was a really interesting pivotal moment for me. And I just never been around in a gay community. So I, I lived in all of these really small towns where if, if, if I was a closeted gay, maybe I was like one of two closeted gay. Yeah, it was, it was oh. a really interesting moment in my life. And there's far more I could share about both of those stories and, and what it felt like to have to come out another time with my parents and sort of their reactions. But uh, I mean, in that moment, I couldn't have felt more happy, you know, cause yeah. I, it's, it's, it's such a sense of relief to finally be able to be free and be your authentic self. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Well, we'll start a different podcast sometime. Totally. You, you and I will co-host and just totally. share stories. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Well, Rob, I'm kind of curious. Do you think that um, values remain the same throughout the course of your life? Oh, I have no doubt that the answer to that is No. Although I say this in the way that I can't speak for everybody, but from what I've seen, especially in my own life and reflection, I think values have to change. We have to adapt. Life changes. So we evolve. You know, I, I think some values, I mean, when I think of like my value list that we just made, I think there's values in there that haven't changed. But I think if we, self-reflect if we go through situations yeah naturally i think our values change that's great yeah i i think about this question a lot and 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 i i also think about it from the sense of like if values don't change how are they serving me in that moment right or or am i being true to my values and and so it's sort of like this momentary pause where i can do a values audit and determine is this scenario challenging me because it's crossing a personal value of mine? Right. Is it because I'm not practicing my values? Is it because there's now a new value that is awakening in me that I need to be aware of? Um, And, you know, I tell you, that's not always easy to do in the moment, especially depending on how frustrated or challenged or upset you might be. 
Um, but I, I definitely think there is an evolution for sure. I agree with you. I think that we as humans need to evolve and then therefore, or we should want to, or we should, whatever depends on where you're at on that continuum. Mm-hmm. Um, but then therefore your values, whether or not they stay exactly the same, I do think there's some evolution to them. Yeah. Do you instill that practice where you actually do a values audit? Like you pause and do that? It's a great question. I would say I do now. And uh, it took me 39 years to figure that out. And it was through my last divorce, uh, where I realized that, uh, I'm a really, I can be a very committed and, and, and loyal individual, Mm. um, almost sometimes to my own detriment. And what I realized reflecting back and I will always care for my, my ex-wife and um, we shared a beautiful life together. It was, but it was just really hard. And what I realized after I reflected outside of that relationship is I wasn't, I wasn't being loyal to my sense myself. And then hence I wasn't being loyal to her. And so it was a very interesting personal reflection to come to um, in a, in a super painful way. And so now, now I definitely try and, take pause when needed to try and understand like what is when you peel back that onion, like what's underlying and what's, what's really impacting me right now. I love that. Mm -hmm. I think you inspired me to do the same thing. So yeah, (laughs) that's great. Perfect. We'll have some check-ins. We'll uh, make sure (laughs) to uh, (laughs) right. Look back around on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we're going to pivot a little bit and spend some time talking about resiliency. And so to start, Rob, I'd love to hear what's your definition of resiliency? All right. To make me sound smart, I actually, I knew this question (laughs) was coming and I looked up the actual definition of resiliency (laughs) and I can't find it uh, up here on my thing. Uh, Hold on. Oh yeah. It is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties with toughness. Okay. Can I tell you what I used to think resiliency was and why I didn't think I was resilient? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to share a story. I used to think resiliency was the picture of Superman stopping the train, falling off the tracks. Okay. And I'm probably confusing that with like courage or strength or whatever in the moment, but I always thought that. And I didn't think I was that kind of person. I saw myself fold in tough situations in my life. And that's why when you mentioned to me, Hey, do you want to do this resiliency podcast? I was like, I don't relate to that because that's what I thought it was. But I learned a lesson in resiliency that didn't happen to me, but happened to my wife before we got married. Did you know, do you know about how my wife and her family survived the 2004 tsunami? Yeah, it is a very incredible story. It's, it's beyond incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, her family of seven, including her, um, all miraculously survived it. And uh, they didn't all get caught up in the wave, but some of them did get caught up in, a, in the wave. If you ever seen the movie, uh, what's that movie? The, um, it's a movie about the tsunami. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it, but Linz had told me before and I'd watched it after that. Totally. There, it's very much like that movie. Um, but part some of the stories within that tragedy of her family was like her dad was carried by the wave and he 
uh, went through walls <laughs> uh, as he was being rushed um, and was abs- actually got saved by a teenage boy who pulled him out of the water. Mm-hmm. Her sister and uh, her brother-in-law um, were the same way and they kind of had similar experience. And then Lindsay and her brother were able to escape onto a mountain and get away from the wave. All of it obviously involved a lot of trauma. And when I thought of resiliency, I thought of it as, oh, it's, it's her, her dad and siblings busting through walls and surviving that way. And what's been unique and interesting afterwards is how they all processed it, which is actually where I think the resiliency where I'm drawn into. One family member um, actually ended up in year-long addiction in the way of, of how to medicate that trauma. And um, just recently went through um, lots of recovery and rehab. And I think that that, to me, is the place of resiliency, um, is when, like, I know reco- there's the saying in recovery that says, um, recovery is uh, two steps forward, one step back. And to see somebody even fail in trying to recover that, but still pick themselves up after that horrific experience, that to me is resiliency. So yes, according to the definition, resiliency is how you handle you know, adversity or, or whatever it said. But I also think it's, it's, it's the amount of times that um, you fail and you look at that failure and you decide uh, what you're going to do with it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I, in some ways, I'm kind of processing this while I'm talking to you. Yeah. But, um, that to me showed, showed resiliency. And I can see how many times I failed in my own life, did the repeated mistakes over and over again. And yet every time I was able to come out of it, it felt like resiliency. So. Yeah, that was, I love that story. And when uh, Lindsay shared it with me, gosh, this was years ago now. I just, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine the pain and the suffering and the trauma that that entire family experienced and then building their resiliency muscle Yes, because they had to cope, right? And figure out how to process all of that. And for me, you know, I think my definition really started out somewhat generically. Mm-hmm. Similar, I looked in the uh, dictionary <laughs> and it's really evolved through a lot of these conversations. And so while I still think that resiliency is how we respond in the wake of challenge, uh, I think it's much broader than that. I think it's, it requires us taking a pause and I call them like a resiliency reflection and understanding what happened in that scenario and you know, what, what could I control and what couldn't I control and what can I be doing differently going forward? So having an opportunity to learn. Uh, I also think it involves letting go, but my last guest, her name was Karen, and she talked about not just letting go, but pivoting forward. And I absolutely loved that mental reframe because I feel like with letting go, it's almost like a negative connotation. Like you have to give up 
the context of who you thought you were, or I had to give up the, the, the family, the 2.5 kids, the nice house in North Seattle, right? Cause that was an image I had created for myself, but actually when, when in Karen and my conversation, when she said pivoting into like what, what, where you need to go or what's next for you. Uh, I just really loved how that leads from a place of like optimism, which I think is really important when it relates to building your muscle, your resiliency muscle. And so I, what one question I had for you, Rob, which is really interesting. And I don't think I know the answer yet. Uh, and it was, it came from my conversation with Karen. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, so I have two questions and I'll ask the first one, which I, I ask often, but do you think um, resiliency and adversity directly correlate? Yes. And then do you think that, and then thinking about it from a different lens, do you think that people can build their resiliency muscle even through uh, positive experiences? Like, do you think it has to be negative? Ashley, that's a great, great question. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. I know all your questions. I've heard all your podcasts and you threw one at me that I wasn't prepared for. Okay. Um, I would, I would like to think so. Like I have to reflect back at my own life in this moment to think like, did adversity come from positive experiences? What was your first question before you said that? Does resiliency and adversity directly correlate? Right. You use the word muscle. Like Mm -hmm. to work out, we have to have pain. Mm -hmm. You're talking to a guy who does not work out, so I shouldn't be saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, adversity, I think, is like working out essentially and and that. But the positive experience, what what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, if we use your working out metaphor, like even through some of the pain, I think you can still build your muscle with some of the positive gains, right? Like I ran, I ran a marathon and it was one of the most humbling experiences of my entire life for so many reasons. Uh, But it was through that it, and there was a ton of like positivity that came out of that race, but I, it, it also developed my resiliency muscle like Nothing. I mean, I wouldn't say nothing because I certainly have had a ad- adverse filled upbringing, uh, but it was just different. Like I remember in the last maybe probably half mile of the race, I just thought I couldn't go on and I couldn't go on. I was so tired and I was hungry and I was sweaty and it was really hot in San Diego that day. And um, I ran into this lady who was like... <laughs> the most, she was like a beacon of light. And she was so proud of running this race for her three daughters. And she had just turned 40 and she wanted to show her kids that she could do this and they can wow. too. And I just remember it, her in that moment, she helped me mental reframe, like, hash, there was so much learning that I had taken through the training that was so necessary. And I think that I do think you can develop your resiliency muscle, even in positive experiences, because I mean, also that helps you focus on, okay, well, what really worked in that environment that got me here? And then how do I evolve that? Because you don't just want to, I believe that we don't want to just develop through adversity. We also want to develop through the good times too. 
I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. I, you know what comes to mind is, so uh, my wife is Canadian, which makes her naturally positive as it is. Um, and she married an extremely, uh, a guy who, who deals with depression and bipolar. So there you go. There's that. But she teaches me about resiliency all, all the time. And she's a very positive human being. Um, she helps me reflect on certain situations that I could perceive as negative and try to learn from, but she, she sees it as positive. And in that teaches me, I mean, could you say resiliency is learning the skills mm -hmm. to take on certain situations? If that's the case, then yeah, I learn about, I learn about resiliency all the time from a positive place of her. And here's the thing, like, I can uh, focus on the negative things of my past, but I had a really positive upbringing mm -hmm. and I had parents who modeled resiliency to me and I mimicked it in mm -hmm. a lot of ways, you know, cause they taught me in that way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I love that. Well, one of the things you uh, said that I want to unpack a little bit, and I'm going to ask a couple different questions related to it. Uh, so that, so I wrote it down. It's like resiliency is about learning the skills to take on different situations. So Rob, do you think that, uh, I'll just ask both, both questions and you can answer them. Uh, do you think that all of us have some level of resiliency? That's my first question. And then second, do you think people, uh, can be, can learn resiliency or can be taught resiliency? or maybe said a different way, the skills to be resilient? Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is if you've done any therapy in your life, that's a very obvious answer, which is, yes, we all have resiliency. You had a guest. I don't remember who it was. Um, I think it was actually recent who was talking about uh, our bodies are naturally resilient, right? To um, infections, to diseases, to, uh, I mean, I was not good with biology, so I'm just going to stop there and just say our bodies are resilient. <laughs> so I think in nature, our natural nature is to be resilient in a way. But if you're if you're um, if you're surviving in this world, I think you have to be resilient. I don't think life is easy. And then your second, see, I'm telling you, this is where the ADHD things coming in. Your second one is second question. Oh yeah. Can it be, it's not ADHD, Rob. I, I like to ask <laughs> lots of questions at once. So uh, okay. uh, can it be taught or learned and, and, and whether it's resiliency or the skills to be resilient? Oh, well, yeah, I get, I'll just refer back to what I was saying about Lindsay teaching me. Y yeah. I think it can be taught. And how, like, are there certain things that we should be doing as people or as leaders or as friends to help people build their resiliency muscle? I think the more we share our experiences, the more we teach people. Like, let's go back to the very beginning of talking about the value of transparency and vulnerability. If you're willing to let people in to your story, you will teach people how to be resilient. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, you know, uh, it's interesting. I'd not thought about it that way, Rob, that, you know, I often say it's through the struggle, but I think I'm going to reframe that. And I think it's through the stories that we share, mm -hmm. you know, and by 
opening up and sharing our own personal experiences, whether they were positive or they were negative or there was some level of adversity, what it does, well, one, it builds connection with people. Uh, Two, it can help with self-efficacy, seeing someone like you um, living through life and maybe still reaching some goal or destination that that individual maybe thinks they can't get to. Um, I think it helps... I think it helps dismiss this idea of imposter syndrome in people. Um, and, and, and what I mean by that is like listening to other people's stories and knowing that we often can relate to them and, and, and see them as maybe a role model or a friend or as a mentor. Um, Gosh, I, I really appreciate that, Rob. I had, I had literally not thought about how important the storytelling piece is, but it's really a critical part of resiliency um, and, and, yeah. and building the connection and building that muscle. Gosh, I'm sort yeah. of sitting with it in a way where I'm like, oh gosh, now he's sort of push, pushed me off my own rocker. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good, right? Because life at the bottom of everything is a mess. Um, <laughs> when we really open up our lives a lot of times. Um, you said something interesting in there. You said um, we all have a lot in common. And I don't know how this plays into the idea of resiliency, but what came to mind when you said that is we all have a desire to be known and seen. Like mm-hmm. I really believe that that is the one common thing we all have is we all, we, we live in a world where um, where we feel like we have to impress to be noticed. And I think that there is something about when you open up, when you really let people look into the unorganized part, the part that, you know, whatever it is, the, the messy part inside of you, um, that we learn a lot from each other. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we learn that we're not alone. In all of it, because if you want to talk about resiliency, I think sometimes resiliency is looked at as an individual, uh, uh, individual uh, action, and I actually think it can also be community oriented. <laughs> and uh, and I mean, what I mean by that is more like more than just yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I added to your um, people really want to be known and seen, and I wrote down in my in my notebook that. Uh, not just being known and seen, but also being able to be our authentic self. Yes. That's so critical. And I think so many of us, you know, go through life almost posturing because they are showing up the way they think they're supposed to be showing up, which I think then also perpetuates imposter syndrome. And so how do we create these environments where people can be their authentic self and they're acknowledged for that? And that sort of starts sort of starts encroaching on like this idea of inclusion and creating inclusive um, workplaces and friend groups and environments. And, and so certainly it's a place where we could spend a lot of time, but I really liked that, that statement. Um, Rob, I'm curious, do you think that uh, values and resiliency are directly correlated? Um, I think so. You know, going back to the story of my having to turn my friend in for the high school thing, like I had to rely on my values. And when I look back at that situation, 
it ultimately taught me how to be resilient. I'm, I'm naturally um, afraid of confrontation and afraid of, I can be afraid of intense moments. And um, because I relied on my values within that situation, I would say that it directly taught me about resiliency. So <laughs> I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering, Rob, if you look back, can you think of a time, and you've sort you've shared a couple of these, so I might pivot this question a little bit. Um, when you think about like this last 18 months, this last year, it's been so unprecedented for all of us. I'm wondering, like, is there something that you learned about yourself or you've learned about resi- resiliency? Um, and, and, and if so, like, what is it? Um, I always uh, hate to say this about the quarantine and everything, but it was actually really good for me. And I say that with all the compassion and sympathy towards those who it was not good for mm-hmm. because of, you know, the life I have and structured, it was good for rest for me and to regroup. And you had mentioned or earlier when we were talking about, like, I think it was about the definition of resiliency. You had mentioned rest in it or restoration or pause or, or stopping. And for me in the last year, because I was going to my business prior to it, my, um, my music business, entertainment business prior to it was just thriving. And I mean, more and more gigs and I was getting exhausted. I mean, it was exciting and all that. And then when the quarantine hit, weddings and corporate events stopped. So I suddenly was on unemployment and that time was great for reflection for me. And I I think that that rest and that opportunity to pause from the going and going and going, um, it did help in resiliency. I don't, I don't think I would have named it like that, but as I, as we reflect on it for me, yeah, that mm-hmm. was the case. And, and I mean, the other factor in all of this is marriage for me too. Like that's mm-hmm. the other thing that accompanies, uh, accompanies my life and figuring out the balance of, of that. And, you know, having a wife who's working during that quarantine and, and the sole provider for us and then being like unemployed and, and all of that. That is an interesting situation and experience that I think also builds resiliency as well. So yeah, that, that probably be it for me. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think uh, I'm just sitting with your comment around rest and it, for me, what's sort of coming to mind is like balance. And I really feel like, and I agree with you. I think I've had a, uniquely different experience through the pandemic than other individuals have. And I feel super fortunate for, you know, being safe and being healthy and being able to create a COVID pod that was like my family for Mm -hmm. the last 18 months. So I didn't feel isolated in those regards, but, but what I did start realizing is just how critically important balance was for me and like this idea of self-care or rest. And and that comes in different forms depending on the person. And I've been really particular around setting boundaries, um, like personally at work. I make sure I try and move every day. I try and make sure I keep 
block out time on my schedule for a lunch. Cause what I started realizing over time is like, man, I'm just so tired and I need the space to walk away and to, to find time for rest because otherwise I wasn't showing up. Um, in my most authentic way. And in fact, I was probably showing up like a total grump some days. Um, and so it was, it, it's been really interesting to reflect on that and identify how, how important that is for me. That might not be important for everybody, but it's something that it's a practice. I definitely am going to continue to try and make sure I maintain and have awareness around. And, yeah. and even if we do, or when we go back into the office, like making sure I'm maintaining some of those structures because it, it has been really helpful for me and my mental sanity. Our world is just constantly just going, the engine is going and going and going and going. Sometimes you need to park in the garage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's as important for that. Um, And I love talking about instilling healthy practices. That's the other thing that I got with, uh, Mary and Lindsay is she's very, very organized. She's very <laughs> practice. Um, she's a, an achiever as well. Um, but it, she has taught me the importance of that as well, which is, you know, don't just not do anything, but at least <laughs> put some, you know, put uh, eat a carrot every so, so often. Eat a salad. I have to learn that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, my general practice, uh, if it didn't impact my own body image would be to eat cake first, whether wow. that's at breakfast, lunch, or dinner. But I realized that's not really the right balance because it creates different mental <laughs> sort of challenges for myself. So totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That sounds so good though. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. That, um, and then a salad, yeah. right? I mean, that I feel yeah. really justified because I had the, the lettuce afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Totally. Yeah. Oh. Well, Rob, I have a couple more questions for you. Okay. And uh, before we before we answer these questions, uh, I just want to thank you. Like I feel super honored to know you. Mm. I feel so humbled to have you on this journey with me. Mm. Um, I absolutely adore um, our friendship, and mm. um, I just respect you so much. And I love it when you give me feedback and you challenge my thoughts around resiliency and. Um, for those, for the listeners, Rob often will send me emails with little notes about each podcast or feedback to help me improve. And so I'm just super grateful for you. Mm-hmm. And I've loved this conversation. I love that um, I finally got you on here to talk about resiliency with me after <laughs> listening to all of those conversations. Yeah. Oh, right back. I, I right back at you. I mean, you're just you're you're a. Um, you're a pillow in my life that I get to sink into and learn from and, and feel empathy from. And yeah, I, I, I agree right back, right back at you. That's yeah. great. Well, I would love, so kind of taking it back to the, the question that sort of like this burning question and curiosity I have around resiliency. Um, Rob, do you think that uh, there's a resiliency quotient or maybe said differently, a set of uh, values equation or a set of values that make people more resilient than others? Okay, you know I was terrified of this question. Let's, <laughs> let, people be, let's let people see it because it sounds math-oriented and I was horrible at math. Um, okay, 
my dad said something interesting. I brought this up to my dad. I'm going to tell you what he said, and then and then we'll piggyback on that. My dad said, uh, "Adaptability plus flexibility equals resiliency," hmm. and I agree with that. We always have to, we have to adapt. I know we mentioned that already, but we <laughs> we we evolve, and um, and then the flexibility of being able to um, to allow ourselves to adapt, I guess. Um, yeah, to, yeah, I think that that's, man, this is not a good answer, but I think that that is, that does equal resiliency as well though. I'm just not formula oriented. So I don't think of life like that. I don't think of like this plus this will equal this. Um, Man, I was afraid I was going to give you a bad answer, and I feel like that maybe not wasn't the best answer. <laughs> but well, the truth of the matter is, it's like <clears throat> I'm not—I don't even know, right? And I think, you know, I've interviewed, uh, gosh, quite a few people, and I've—I've I've sort of been collectively tracking the values that those individuals have shared, and I'm up to about 150 values. And, and what's really interesting is there's a lot of themes and trends and overlaps in some of the values that I'm hearing. But what that doesn't answer for me is like, do I truly believe that those values, you know, the top five or six or whatever it is, that those values actually make people more resilient? Um, I think it's, there's a, where I'm sort of leaning towards, because I still don't know if I have a definitive answer for this question, but it's like, I think there are skills or values that maybe make people more resilient if they're practicing them, right? Or it helps them build their resiliency muscle. Um, because to, to assume that there's like a set of four values that makes people more resilient than others, mm -hmm. Going back to like inclusion, I think that actually uh, doesn't allow for inclusion of authentic self. And, and we can't assume that everyone needs to have these four values to be a resilient individual. Yes. Uh, now, now, whether or not that's correct, I'm still not sure, but that's, that's actually been where my head has been over the last number of months because I started thinking like, if, if I, if I want to hear people's story and their, the story about who they are and who they want to be and, and have them show up authentically, then I can't assume that everyone I interview is going to have the same set of values, which then, then in turn makes them resilient, right? Yeah. It's through those stories, Rob, like you said, that we practice our resiliency muscle and we learn and we can connect with others on some of the struggles or some of the like cool things that have happened to people and, and how they've how they've pivoted or, or how they've developed their own muscle. So it's yeah. an interesting question to me that I still feel I'm not sure I know the right answer. I want to ask you, um, why, why do you want to know the answer to that question? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I was, well, so part of the reason I'll just sort of share why resiliency is um, a topic that I'm interested in. I guess. So I've had a very difficult, I've had some very difficult lived experiences um, from uh, a childhood uh, with 
abuse and addiction to, you know, having to repress being gay and going in and out of the closet a couple of times to being a teen mother to, you know, graduating top 5% of my class and having to deny all of the college acceptance letters because I was pregnant. Um, and so there's so much more I could share. That's just like parts of my life right. story. And so, and, you know, my sister and I've lived the same experience and we've had, we, we've shown up differently as it relates to resiliency. And I see that happen often with, with siblings or with families. And, and so that's sort of where I'm, that's why I'm curious about, is it innate and how do we build it and how do we practice it? But initially why I was really curious about that question is I was trying to understand like, how do we, how, why are some people more resilient than others? I guess is, is where that question originated from. Um, and, and through my conversations, I think what I've learned or at least some somewhat of how my theories have shifted is I don't, I don't, I don't think there is per se a quotient, but I do think there are skills that help individuals be more resilient. And if you practice those skills, you can be a more resilient individual. Um, and some of the data with the values is really interesting to see because there are definitely sets of values that show up um, throughout all of the conversations, which I've been super fascinated by. So I think that's just a little snippet of why that question has been intriguing to me. I love that. I'm so, I love that. I'm so glad you answered that question. And I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that was, amazing. I like that. That was really nice work there, my friend. Um, <laughs> Well, I have one more for you and it still has to do with the quotient and, okay. and you, you can answer this. There's no particular way to answer this question. So okay. it's, it's all up to you. What's your resiliency quotient, Rob? Doesn't have to be mathematical. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, just the uh, overwhelming flood of intimidation came I over saw me it. when yeah. you, when you said that. <laughs> What is my resiliency quotient? Every day, I'll, I'll be honest with myself. Mm. We didn't touch in on this enough, but I can't tell you how, um, how much undoing there had to be from 30 years of growing up in an institution mm. where... I was afraid to be who I was and to, um, to, to admit things. I have a fun, here's a little funny story. So this is how it, this is how my, um, how my church pastoral ended. Hmm. I was up. So I was a music pastor, by the way, I led music in church. Okay. So, I was at my last song of my last day and I was sitting at the piano I was playing and I ended and it was real quiet in the congregation and the sanctuary was totally quiet. And I turned to the congregation and I said, just to let you all know, I'm struggling with pornography right now. And that was the last thing I said 
in church before I left. And the re and I knew that that was years and years of me wanting to be known, like wanting to say, here I am, I'm a shit show. And I want to show you like, this is, this is who I am. And, um, and I think ever since that day, I've given myself permission to be honest about the worst of me and the best of me too, not just the worst of me, but the best of me. And something about that honesty has, um, sustained me and helped me move through life in a very unique way. That's what I got. <laughs> what a powerful answer, Rob. I love that. Um, I think it's an important message for a lot of us and, and that whole being honest with yourself. Cause, cause so often it's really hard for us, for, for people in general, to be honest and be faced with tough decisions and have to critically think about them and sometimes answer them in a way that they don't want to. Yeah. And I, I yes. love that. I love that. I, I mean, it's hard and it's also really important. And by the way, also super relieving. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So interesting. I love that. I'm going to have, I love how you leave me with like a cliffhanger <laughs> that I'm going to need to sit with. I'll take one of my resiliency reflections to sit with that one. <laughs> yeah. Part two, Rob talks about pornography and his relationship with it and what happened next. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's amazing, my friend. Oh, my gosh. oh man. I have absolutely loved, I mean, much like all of our conversations, I have loved this conversation and I'm really, I, I, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on resiliency. I mean, you've given me snippets here and there, but I, I feel this is so fun to hear it and be able to have you on my show. I, I love the conversation. As I told you, Ashley, I started this resiliency journey with you not being interested in this topic and now it consumes me and i love it so thank you thank you so much for you teach me so much and so many others yeah absolutely absolutely thank you my friend i'm ashley carson thanks for listening to the resiliency theory podcast our journey of learning and my quest to understand resiliency continues Check out my blog at resiliencytheory.com to continue this conversation. Or if you want to listen to my next podcast, follow me there. If you'd like to connect with me, there are a few ways. You can follow me on my Instagram page at resiliencytheory or my LinkedIn page at Ashley Smith Carson. You can also email me at hello at resiliencytheory.com.